You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, Dan here. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes with your Twitter handle right there in the reviews so that you can enter for a chance to win some Islanders swag off of eBay. We talked about it in our last episode, so go back there if you want more details. All right, thanks a lot. Here's the rest of the episode. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Eboff. And Mike, uh, it has been a wild week for our friend old Simeon Varlamov. <laughs> he got two shutouts and a puck right in the mush. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about all of that uh, for now because uh, Islanders are 2-1 and one early in the season. And uh, it's been an exciting ride so far. Yeah, I think if you had asked me, and this is obviously the easy way to do it, but if you would ask me, hey, what do you think the record's going to be after three games? I would say two two and one. Um, that said, what a bizarre way to get to where we expected them to be. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you just We saw the best of them, then we saw the worst of them, and then we saw the, uh, the ver- version of them that pisses everybody off uh, on, uh, what was that, Monday uh, at 5 p.m. That 5 p.m. start against the Bruins. It was like, it just we saw everything we've seen everything already like you can just shut it down and basically call it a season we've already like the roller coaster ride has been it's felt like a season uh, an entire season in just three games just because of all the storylines and the the weird stuff and uh like uh, the talking points and the fact that everybody's pissed at them like it's just i just (laughs) don't understand how these three games could have possibly unfolded in the manner that they did um but here we are Two two and one is is a fine start uh, to the season when you just are looking at the, uh, the like the standings. Yeah, yeah. I have, I apologized in a tweet before the game, being like, you know, I don't expect the Islanders to to win this game. They haven't beaten the Bruins in ten straight games at Nassau Coliseum, but uh, lo and behold, they actually did it. If you if you believe that, it was unbelievable. And uh, yeah, it was done in such a way that like you could not have ever have predicted what went down, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, first let's, let's go back to last Thursday before everybody hated the Islanders again. Uh, it was just a regular old, um, Islanders Rangers game to start the season and, uh, went about as well for the Islanders as it could possibly have gone. They won four to nothing. It was three, nothing in the first. It felt a little bit weird. Um, you know, the Rangers just were never really mentally into it. It was kind of domination from the start. Uh, highlighted by, I mean, what's probably going to end up being the Islanders' goal of the season was uh, Matthew Barzell undressing 
Tony D'Angelo <laughs> uh, right there in front of his own goalie and, and sniping it behind Igor Shesterkin. And, you know, the Rangers had a little bit of a push in the second, but Anders Lee scored a power play goal. And in what may have been, I think, the platonic ideal of an Anders Lee goal, he was standing in front of the net. He didn't even move, really. His stick just, you know, and uh, the puck just bounced off of it and in. And uh, that was his second goal of the game. The first one was a really, really nice uh, snipe uh, that uh, he scored just after taking a, a stick to the the lip, which was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, and the Islanders just rolled uh, to it. Uh, they had eleven shots. The Rangers thir- three in the third period, and yeah, it was it went about as awesome as it possibly could have gone. And for a brief moment. Just about everything was right in the world, <laughs> and you couldn't have been happier if you're an Islanders fan. Uh, you watch that game. What did you make of it? Yeah, it really felt like it was a continuation of what the team we saw in the bubble. They did at like they played exactly like they did in when in their dominant performances against the Panthers and the Capitals and the Flyers, and it just it, it instilled this like crazy bit of arrogance in me that um, <laughs> I quickly blame myself for even getting caught up in because obviously two days later I was you know season was over but uh like just the way that the, the every they were so crisp that like the you always hear football coaches talking about like oh that was a good route that this guy ran like it when someone makes like a nice cut or whatever and it just it seemed like that like everybody was just on form Noah Dobson making head fakes along the half wall to make a great pass. I mean, they didn't score on that play. Like everything you wanted to see checked out. Like the goaltending was great from Varlamov. Barzell looked like a beast. The, uh, ev- the fourth line was doing its job. Everything basically uh, was kind of working out. <clears throat> but then, yeah, I mean, it, it it's hard because it was the only game to, to talk, to like think about. Uh, and you, you want to remind yourself, Oh, it's not going to be that easy going, going forward, of course. Uh, but even, even so, like when, when it's just one game you're talking about, you're just like, it's hard. You can't look past it. And, and it was great too, because it came against the Rangers who everybody's been hyping up. Uh, and you, you were, I wanted to see people say, well, you know what? The Islanders might've served the, somehow the Islanders have become the team that is like talked about, like, this is, we know exactly who the Islanders are. We know they're efficient. They're, uh, predictable they're well structured like over the years they now they now have this identity and they're like the the team the rangers are trying to kind of like knock off their perch it's it's really strange to be in that spot where uh you know for most of our lives it's been the other way around the islanders are the scrappy upstart at their best trying to pull down uh the, the teams that are you know more professional or whatever however you want to claim it um you know thinking about <clears throat> Like when they would play the Penguins and, and the Islanders would play well but lose because of like one mental mistake by uh, like, you know, Dylan Reese or somebody. And you'd be like, well, they, they tried great, but they're just not there yet. Well, that's kind of how people – I thought people would talk about that game. But instead, you know, everyone was just – didn't really pay too much attention to how the Islanders played. They they talked about the Barzell goal for obvious reasons. Uh, but that was really it. And it, it was it was really nice because it I thought the Islanders had basically exposed – the Rangers in one game, like they, they, Jack Johnson was terrible. D'Angelo was terrible. Uh, like Shesterkin was letting in go. I mean, he, he didn't play terrible, but like he was letting in four goals and they shut down uh, Lafreniere and Kako and Panarin. It's like, wow, the Island, I, I thought people were going to be like, wow, the Islanders really, you know, told everyone to hold their horses with the Rangers. But of course uh, yeah. they, that, that wasn't the case. And, um, and the, although two nights later, people were like, well, you know, the, everyone got too far ahead of themselves with the Islanders. It looks like it. Yeah. Here come the Rangers. So yeah, uh, the, the Islanders are never going to get that. They're never going to get that, but they get exactly what you just said, which is, well, these guys are never going to be, you know, there, there you go. Here's, here's their, their bugaboo again. Uh, because as well as Thursday night went Saturday night was about the exact opposite of what you would have wanted. Five, nothing Rangers win. And I mean, I think everybody, kind of figured i I, just, I don't think i know everybody kind of figured if you watched all the players um like zoom availabilities afterwards it was you know we know they're going to come out a lot harder in the second game they, they didn't want to be embarrassed and we all kind of understood that what nobody kind of predicted was the islanders coming out and playing like total ass in that game <laughs> they, they were just totally not prepared now obviously something happened in warm-ups uh to Simeon varlamov and Ilya Sorokin, and we're going to talk all about Sorokin and that whole situation in the second half of the show. Um, 
But I don't want it to be lost that the Islanders, you know, regardless of all the, you know, the the kind of traumatic, <laughs> for lack of a better word, uh, shocking change in goaltending that night, the Islanders did not play well in that game at all. They were very, very bad. Every single mistake they made in the first period in particular ended up in the back of their net. Um, both Noah Dobson, who had been great, like you said, in the first game, and Scott Mayfield both ended up getting tangled up with linesmen at, at two separate points, and both of them ended up, you know, in uh, goals for the Rangers. It was like, it, it was a comedy of errors, and it was awful, and it was the exact opposite of what happened in the first game. And, you know, on one hand, you're like, oh my God, this is this is going to be a disaster season. But then I, I wondered, because like, I had watched a couple other games of other teams before that. And like the penguins had gotten blown out twice. The flyers actually ended up, this happened afterwards, but the flyers ended up getting blown out. Um, the, the Leafs took a bad loss to the senators and got, but you know, so I was wondering if like, this is just how it's going to go. Or, like you play a team in a lot of, you know, home at home situations all season long. And it's just, it's going to kind of be this way. Now that's obviously not good. You need to win more of these than lose them. But I wonder if that's going to be kind of a trend where you see one team dominate one night and then the other team the other night just kind of happens. I don't know why. But in that moment, it was awful. And then Panarin made it 5 nothing in the third, and it was like, hey, here's this guy again. Um, and it was just a bad a bad game. Barry Trotz called him junk, said that they never had their heads in the game. I don't know if he used his skin in the game quote, but if he didn't, he meant to, I'm sure. Um, you know, those are words that you don't hear from Barry Trotz that often. I don't think he'd ever called the team junk before in three seasons, but he wasn't wrong. They were junk and, uh, it was bad and yeah. Okay, fine. The Rangers are going to be good, but, uh, that's about it. The only good thing that came out of those two games was that Lafreniere didn't score. And like you were saying, like you could tell that people were kind of ready for, um, what the heck is his name? Kaprizov in Minnesota had like already scored and. You know, Tim Stoltz in, in Ottawa had scored. So, like, people were kind of on the whole, you know, hot rookie thing. And the Islanders, at least for that moment, kept Lafreniere off the board, and it was pretty good. <laughs> that was about the only positive you could take away from that second game as opposed to the first game. Yeah. it From the second that Varlamov went down, it just – things just unraveled. You, you could have played like – uh, you could have played like the uh, – like some sort of like Looney Tunes uh, – <laughs> like background music like from like a si- or like from like a silent film when like the right. the main character's life is falling apart or something and that's how it felt like watching that game it was it was just tough and and it was frustrating because every like you said every mistake was was uh ending up in the back of the net but it's kind of because they deserve to like these these were unacceptable mistakes and i was wondering you know you 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 brought up the point about you know teams are going to be trading wins basically back to backs and uh I thought that too. And then I thought, well, the Islanders are kind of prepared for this because Trotz, Trotz is very keenly aware of stuff like that. Like he, he's a very like good game theory guy. It seems like he, he'll know how to like, you know, manipulate the schedule to make sure that the Islanders get the tiniest little edge here and there. Um, we'll talk about the Bruins game. I thought uh, like he was mad. He like uh, was such, he made every decision he made in that game. Uh, basically while that game was going on uh, went right. Um, so I thought, you know, he he's going to have these guys prepared because they're going to know that this big push is coming. They're going to know that the Rangers are pissed off. They just got blown out. They're going to throw everything they can at them for the first 10 minutes. But the Islanders will be prepared for that because, like, that's basically their MO is to understand what's about to come hit them, weather the storm, and then punch back. And they didn't. They just didn't do it. They they fell flat flat on their face. They let every, you know, they let themselves down. They left their, they let their rookie goaltender down. Um and when when Trotz pointed out that Clutterbuck, what Clutterbuck did was unacceptable, like I I I was like, I'm you know what, I'm mad at Cal Clutterbuck now too. <laughs> Trotz is mad at him, I'm mad at him because you do like it's it's those little details is that that the Islanders need to pay attention to. It sounds so fickle and and maybe it's crazy, but like those little things can't go wrong for this team because if one little thing goes off, like the whole ship goes down, and they know that. Like this team should know that. They saw what happened last year when Adam Pellick you know, blew out his leg playing kickup. They saw what happened when Casey Zizekas got cut by a skate. Uh, this is, this team can't really weather those kind of things. Um, so I was happy that it got called out actually. And then, uh, but the rest of the game, like as, as much as I was thinking, wow, this team is, is a, is a freight train after the first game. I was in such a horrible mood Sunday all the way into Monday, thinking the whole day Monday, like just get a point against the Bruins. Like the season is on the line. This is crazy because it was basically the what the Islanders needed for the season to succeed was 
the goal of Ilya Sorokin to be a great number two and Noah Dobson to be able to fill the shoes of Devon Taves, so to speak, like just to at least, you know, provide, uh, you know, to be a good number five defenseman for this team. And uh, both of them had uh, really, really bad games. And uh, it's, that's what really kept me up at night was just like, well, you know, if if they don't get better, this team is screwed. Um, But I don't, that, that game, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go right into the Bruins game next, I'm sure. And then uh, it obviously calmed me down because uh, I, I mean, you, like I was saying in the beginning, like the roller coaster of emotions, I, I, if, if let's put it this way, if you were a fan of like, you know, the, the Leafs or whoever, and you were saying, Oh man, I can't believe we lost the senators. I say, I would say to you, you know, get out of your head. It's one game. Like it doesn't matter. Everybody has a stinker, but when it's your team, you're just like this, the world is crumbling behind yeah. around you. And it's like, everything's on fire. And there's no way that this team's going to get better. You're thinking about the lottery. It's just like the thoughts that will come into your head in, after a loss like that early in the season. Woof. Well, that's why in a way, you know, being in this division might be a blessing because there are no really bad teams. <laughs> like even the devils beat the Bruins earlier and the Sabres just put a whooping on the flyers the other day. So you know, there are no bad teams. Um, but again, these, these, this is how this, the schedule is going to be very different this year because you're talking about having eight games against these same guys and you will hate them if you don't already, uh, by the end of the season. And the, the tension is just going to keep ratcheting up. So the good news is now there's only six games left against the Rangers, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, the, the, the stakes are that much higher. So now if you felt really bad after Saturday's game, then you go into Monday's af- afternoon game, which has this, the makings for a complete disaster because you're playing an afternoon game at home against the team you haven't beaten in your last 10 tries and have barely beaten at all in the last 10 or 12 years. And it just seemed, and then the Islanders get off to a start that was eerily reminiscent of the game against the Rangers. They just could not skate with the Bruins. The Bruins were like literally manhandling them across the ice and knocking them all over the place. But Simeon Varlamov was back in net. He he his injury he took in uh game the game Saturday night uh wasn't as bad as originally thought. And uh he was back out there and he was brilliant. He made like, I don't know, uh, eleven saves in the first period. Bruins totally outplayed the Islanders, and they, that was without David Pasternak and without um Tori Krug, obviously he was in St. Louis now and Char, and you thought, oh god, here we go. This is th- th- that was sort of that was prolonging the inevitable collapse here. But uh, the second period was much better. And in fact, the Islanders for the rest of the game after that point kind of played the Bruins mostly even like each team had a lot of chances. There were lots of posts and crossbars and things like that. Um, but the Islanders just picked up their speed. I don't know what Trotz told them in the in the uh, intermission, but they came out much faster, much more aggressive, and they weren't letting the Bruins just sort of kick them off the puck. And so it ended 0-0 after two. And um, Varlamo continued to be great. Uh Anthony Bovillier had a breakaway goal. He was kind of turned away by Tuka Rask, who obviously was very good too, but he didn't have to make nearly as many sort of dramatic saves as, as Varlamov did. Um, and then with about, you know, what was it, like four minutes to go maybe? Um, a point shot comes in, bounces off of the back of Patrice Bergeron, and J.G. Pajot is there to like literally baseball bat the thing home uh, behind Rask for a one nothing lead, and that was all they needed. Uh, yeah, okay, the Bruins outshot the Islanders 27-17, to but they walked away with an incredibly important win. I mean, it's not often that you say the third game of the season is an incredibly important win, but it was. And Varlamov sets a team record. No, no Islanders goalie had ever had back-to-back shutouts in, in you know, first first two games of a season. And uh, that one nothing lead was all they needed. And it was a huge moment. And um, it was, you know, a sign of what the Islanders can do when they take up when they they play as fast as their opponent. And they show that kind of aggressiveness and they don't make mistakes. <laughs> they, um, you know, there were a couple of uh, uh, high danger chances against uh, that Barry Trotz, I'm sure, didn't like. But it was a nice return to form and it felt pretty good, uh, I will say. Now, Simeon Varlamov can't get shutouts every night. So something needs to happen uh, where the Islanders can get more consistent scoring. But uh, as a whole, yeah, like you said at the top, like two and one, is two shutouts is, is a pretty darn good record even if the way they got there is completely insane when you really break it down the way we just got it it's pretty nuts yeah i mean that i'll say this like that bruins first the first 10 minutes of that bruins game i was i wrote it off i was like jesus they're gonna lose four nothing they played terrible yeah me too um, yeah and then yeah they they i think trots uh deserves a lot of credit i don't think there's been a win 
in that I can think of where like you can actually tangibly feel like the coach moving chess pieces around on a board, especially in the in a game in October, not October, but January, in like the first couple of weeks of the season, he kind of micromanaged that game right off. Like, I think it was in the first period, he started double shifting Pajot on defensive faceoffs. He, he would put Pajot, if the Sezikis line was up, it would be Pajot, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, this is, it's actually like kind of like a masterstroke because what he's doing is he's negating that Bergeron line as best as he could. Like if, if, if Bergeron or Krejci were on the ice about to take a draw, like I think Trotz recognized pretty quickly that this game was going to come down to one goal and that the way the Bruins have made their hay. So over the past, what, 10 years has been uh, they'll, you know, you'll see Patrice Bergeron win a face off in, in the offensive zone, Brad, Mer- Brad Marchand gets the puck and he finds either Pasternak or whoever they're playing with. And the next thing you know, you close your, you blink for a second and you're down one, nothing. And I think Trotz was like, we, we can't let that happen because we won't win this game if it does. So what he did was he basically, matched uh you know Pajot with with Sezikis and defensive uh zone draws and if you look at the time of ice it's just insane because Pajot played 20 plus minutes I think Sezikis played a bunch Bailey Nelson played a bunch and then you saw the um uh the Matt Martin Kiefer Bellows and Ross Johnston did not and as as upset as I was that Ross Johnston continues to play in a spot where you can where it's pretty obvious to everybody that um it's just not working out uh that trots trots doesn't have the uh like the, the ego to keep rolling them out and trying to roll four lines in a game that it just wasn't going to work like this this was a, a really really well coached game um from from trots i thought and obviously like this the stars of the game were varlamov trots and pajot who i like like the the guy like is just as advertised Peugeot that is like mm-hmm. people were saying like, Oh, this, this guy's so clutch. He just like pops up in the big moments and like, he just has. And this was, a, yeah, it wasn't a must win game. I joked it around that it was, you know, the first must win game of the season. It, it did feel that way. Like just a, from a, you know, fanatical, you know, maniac perspective. Like it, it did feel like the Islanders needed to win or the season was over, but um, he's, he's, that was a big goal. It was like, you can, it, it got him two points and it got the Bruins zero. This is a team that they're going to be racing against. And uh, people, people are, I wonder if teams are going to be more or less aggressive, like in um, late game situations. Cause they're going to know like, well, you know, we can't let this team get even a single point or uh, because we're going to be racing against them all season. Like it does. Whereas like, you know, if the Islanders played the Sabres in a normal year, if the Sabres got a point, it didn't really have a huge effect on them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it was just like the whole game was just so well uh, managed by by the guys, by the by the brains of the operation, so to speak. Uh, and then, yeah, like for Varlamov was was spectacular. I thought the defense was really good. They were really quiet. Ryan Pollock has been really good to start the year. He's like. He's he's like imposing his will on games. I feel like uh, uh, he's he's just feels much. He, he, watching him play, like he feels much bigger than he actually is. I guess in a, in a weird way to put it, he's just he's just all of smothering uh, people. He's moving the puck well. He's joining the rush. He's obviously a threat on the power play. Um, but every every everybody in that game kind of pulled their weight towards uh, the like the the goal which and they kind of all recognize what the goal was in that game wasn't well hey we're not going to win this game 4-1 we're going to have to win this game by being the ones who who either don't make the mistake or create a moment of magic off a weird bounce which happens in hockey uh and they did and like that's as much as it pisses everybody else off like the islanders are going to have to win that game and 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 it's amazing that the Islanders have been winning this way for what two two plus seasons now. Whereas like Boston and St. Louis and they're the Devils. Like all these teams have been doing this forever, but it really never. Nobody was ever like, oh wow, the Bruins. Like I can't. They were getting praised for the way they were playing for so long, and what now that it's the Islanders, they're like, well, this is just ruining the game. Like, <laughs> here comes like a New York Times editorial about. Yeah. Uh, you know how this is this is just selfish that the Islanders are playing this style of hockey when everyone's locked down. It's just unbelievable. Well, it's just- it's because again, the Islanders don't have any sort of like household names. But again, whose whose fault is that? You know, basically, I mean, it's you don't you could pe- people could be talking about Andrews Lee, but they don't like they just don't. And so when they sign I mean, to this big contract, everybody's like, "Oh, it's dumb. Why would you do it?" I mean, obviously, the contract is a risky thing, but you would know that Andrews Lee is pretty darn good, and you know he deserves some kind of at least a little bit of national recognition. But he's never going to get that. Um, yeah, at one point, I thought during the course of that game that like. They haven't made they haven't really had any luck and they haven't really made their own luck. 
to steal a phrase from Bon Jovi. <laughs> um, but then, you know, they basically won because of a lucky bounce. And I'm not saying that to diminish what happened, because, I mean, you work for those bounces and it and they fought. If you watch the whole play just before that goal, you see them, you know, Casey Zika's like carries it in. He shields the puck. They, they keep it. They refuse to let go of it until I believe it was Adam Pellick actually eventually got the puck and shot it in from the uh, – about the blue line and it bounced off of Bergeron and in. And the fact that it bounced off Bergeron of all people, you know, Mr. Perfect, I love this guy, you know, and all of a sudden he's kind of, I don't want to say the goat, but he's kind of right at the center of the one goal that that lost in the game. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Another interesting thing I thought, um, Bruins do not have an even strength goal at any point so far this season. I don't know if they're playing tonight, but that's pretty wild. I mean, they did they did win. They, they beat the Devils in their first game, but I guess all their goals came off the power play. Um, but that, that's pretty wild. Um, Real quick before we take a break, um, I totally agree with you. What you're saying about trots, I think whatever adjustments they made in the locker room between the first and second period were key to winning the game. But uh, and I know that he obviously he won the the Jack Adams a couple of years ago, and I think was was in the running yesterday. Man, to me, Bruce Cassidy is such a good coach. Like the Bruins are just a machine; they're just an incredibly well coached team. And I don't, you know, I know it, it, it's always like a one year thing. And obviously, I'm I totally feel. Trotz should have won it in 2019. Um, but boy, I just every time I watch the Bruins, I'm like, man, how is this guy not the best coach? I know Mike Sullivan gets all that credit too, but boy, these guys, you know, they're just really good. They're just like a machine. They just never stop. It's crazy. They're they're, when they make really when they overskate a puck or something, like you're just like, oh, well, jump on that puck, get the puck, because it's not, yeah, they're not going to make another mistake. Limits. Yeah, they're, just, they're they're always aggressive, but it's never too much. You know, they're right. they're they're never like beating you up, but they're just aggressive when it comes to taking the puck, and it's admirable. I gotta tell you, it's pretty pretty impressive. One of these days, he'll probably win to Jack Adams, but uh, he won, I think he won I, last year. He won last year over. Did uh, he really? Yeah, over oh. Tor- over Tortorella. I just remember because I bet Tortorella by, prior to the season. So ah. I was, that was, yeah, he he. I uh, forgot. Okay, well, yeah, but he's but he's an incredible coach. Like he really was, is. Yeah, because like, I remember when Bailey made that pass to Beauvillier to spring him on a breakaway, and Beauvillier didn't score. I was like, mm. wow, that's going to piss off Bruce Cassidy, and the Islanders <laughs> are not going to get another. They're not going to get through through the, like the neutral zone that easy ever again. And they really uh, didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. And then, yeah, it's, they had to they had to kind of fight for the one goal that they got. I like, yeah, I like him a lot too. Like, I just feel yeah. like he's he, he has like a good ethos. Like, he's not like he's not he's not. I I I've kind of grown to like Tortorella, but he's not like fiery or anything. And and he right. does have like during the playoffs, he says some funny stuff. He's he's not like Mike Babcock, where he, like if he says something, it's like all over the news or stuff. It's uh, I don't know if I've ever seen his lips move behind the bench in any game I've ever watched the Bruins, you know, because they're always on NBC. I don't know if I've ever right. seen his lips move. He's just kind of always standing there. On the flip side of that, and obviously I don't know, I don't pay a lot of attention, but I don't know how much longer David Quinn is going to have behind the bench of the Rangers. He just doesn't seem like he's got a whole lot of, I don't see a whole lot of like stylistic or, or really, you know, kind of technical or, What's the word? You know, strategic improvements right. there. I mean, maybe he's a good coach. I don't know, but I don't know. He, he also looks like John Bouchergras, which is very disconcerting for me. Every time I see him, I'm like, "Wait, is that Bouchergras?" Oh, it's cool, especially with the mask on now. I'm yeah. like, "Holy crap!" It's the same. They have the same exact top part of their head. I, no I can see the, the same exact guy. I could see yeah. the Rangers having that season where, like, they they don't, you know, get they they kind of are threatened of like falling out of the pack, and then they fire him and bring in like a, uh, you know, a, a more practical pragmatic coach. oh it'll it'll be mike babcock right. there's no babcock, question about exactly it. <laughs> i was gonna say sam allardyce but he's a he's a soccer coach yeah that would, that would be weird but uh like yeah. they'll bring in that style of coach where they'll like yeah just get organized and be like look we're, we're just gonna go back to the fundamentals and and they'll make the playoffs and and everyone will be like what a what a genius what a genius and coach. the rangers they would ne- they're never fun enough to bring in boost boudreaux so boudreaux would never that would he would never me. come to like he could never do that that would crush me that yeah would so that would be sad. terrible but uh, whoever, you know, I could, I mean, that totally makes sense for Babcock, but we'll see. Anyway, all right, we're going to take a quick break and we're coming back. We're going to talk all about Ilya Sorokin's first game, which did not go the way he or the Islanders or we expected after all these years of waiting. So listen to some commercials and then come back with us. All right, thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Our favorite sponsor is vintageicehockey.com, where you can get t shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They also have our Al Arbor T-shirt, and our portion of the, the sales of that go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Um, you can use the code Lighthouse15 to save 15% off your order. And uh, I mean, if you haven't vin- visited vintageicehockey.com, you should. All kinds of cool stuff: New Haven Nighthawks, uh, Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, Toledo Zephyrs. Like you would be surprised. You'd be. It's it's mind boggling the stuff that Kevin has here. So vintageicehockey.com, and then you can save yourself fifteen percent by using the code Lighthouse fifteen. So please do that. Um, okay, so back to Saturday night. Um, teams are warming up. All of a sudden, we get a report that Simeon Varlamov has left the ice. Turns out he took a puck right in what we thought was the throat area, but it actually turned out to be the jaw area. So I guess his his head must have been up and kind of the puck got underneath him on a shot from Cal Clutterbuck that was quite frankly, too high <laughs> for uh, a warm-up, And so Varlamov left the ice and starting that night ended up being Ilya Sorokin, the guy who we have waited many, many years to see start a hockey game. He, we did not expect him to start in, you know, injury replacement for the starter uh, with a few minutes notice, but here he was. And I was excited, like, oh my gosh. We're finally, it's finally going to happen. We're finally going to get to see it. And within two minutes, the whole thing just completely went to hell. Uh, Pavel Vujinovic scored, and and Sorokin didn't really ever look right. Uh, his angles were—I mean, I'm not a goalie coach, but you could, you, it was clear that his angles were definitely off. He's obviously used to the big ice. Hadn't played a game in like nine months. Don't forget the KHL playoffs ended after the first round. So you're talking about back in the springtime. And yeah, he's been practicing. He was with the Islanders in the bubble and everything, but it's not quite the same. Um, and he just was never quite set right. He made a couple of really good saves over the course of the game, and at least two of those goals, I believe the last two Rangers goals, yeah, really couldn't have been faulted to him. One of them was the Panarin one, which, like, you know, the puck slated all the way across. He's he's going to hit that 100% of the time. No, no goalie on earth is going to stop that. And then there was another one, too, that was just like, that's not on him. That was just, again, the Islanders playing poorly. But uh, a 5 nothing loss is not the way we expected this guy's <laughs> NHL career to start. I'm sure he didn't expect it to be that way. And again, Barry Trotz was not happy about it. You know, he, he called out Cal Clutterbuck, like you said, for f- being this inexcusable mistake of hurting your goalie in, in uh, warmups and that he had to put Sorokin in there. It wasn't fair to Ilya and it wasn't fair to Varlamov and it certainly wasn't fair to the Islanders that that had to happen. But I mean, sometimes it just is what it is. And uh, that was... In a way, it's maybe good that it happened because now all the pressure is off. And now he can work with Mitch Korn and work with Piero Greco. They only have two games this week. The the one, the Bruins game that we just talked about, and then the Devils game against a, a game against the Devils on Thursday. And then they play again on Sunday. So um, yeah, it gives him time to work on this, but man, that must have been a tough conversation the next day. <laughs> like, you know, one of those like, what are you gonna do kind of situations? And uh again, after all these years, that was not how I think anybody anticipated that first Sorokin game going, but I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, when, when Varlamov went down, you kind of felt like you, you, um, you felt the same way Sorokin did. You're like, well, this isn't how I was expecting this moment that I've been waiting for so long to happen. Like here it comes. And you know, all of a sudden you, you, me and every Islander fan had to get themselves in from, you know, old, we know exactly what to expect from Simeon Varlamov mode to, holy shit, like, man, you're, man, the battle stations, he's coming in, like, and it just, everybody, everybody was off their hinges in that game, it was, it was just so bad, and, and it was, I've never watched, um, I've never watched a game where, like, I've seen the goalie and being, like, wanting to, like, scream through the TV, like, move over, move over, <laughs> like, and, and he just clearly, he just clearly was having a, a, a rough, rough go of it, um, and, yeah, like, the best thing you could hope for is that, uh, it it was a you know kind of quick 
punch in the gut and and he he quickly learned like oh well i can't get away he, you know even for a lapse in my my level for a second in this league i i totally uh oh confident the 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 win over the bruins kind of settled my nerves that like uh it's not it's not a huge deal like if 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 arlam Matt, can you imagine if arlamov you know was hurt worse than than he was like then we're yeah. like because like, then trots you're thinking about a decision between do i start Corey schneider or do i you know mm. go with uh sorokin and and then like it, you're just opening a can of worms so for Lama being okay was just it was, it was such a relief my god um mm. and he obviously played so well and like so it's just like buys everyone a little bit of time to like wash that the taste out of uh your mouth and it's it's going to be great now like i'm i'm ex- i'm excited again for his next start which <laughs> i definitely wasn't uh after after saturday night because i thought it was going to come against the Bruins and I'm like oh god like you talking about right coach, yeah you know, coach like Bruce Cassidy like and Patrice Bergeron like these guys like Brad Marchand like you don't you think Brad Marchand wouldn't have noted what happened on Saturday night and we're like hey I'm just gonna skate straight at this guy if I take a two-minute penalty so be it but like I'm making this guy as uncomfortable as possible right away uh so yeah they like they they did do- kind of dodge a bullet with uh Varlamov coming back and and playing well and uh really stopped the the presses on what could have been you know a a, a pretty big issue uh if you know if you know if Schneider uh started or if Sorokin wasn't great again like then then you know people would start paying attention to the Islanders for for different reasons which we don't want like you know you guys can come take your pot shots as long as they're winning but like if if you're just going to like bully the our prized Russian goaltender, then, then we, uh, then we'll take, then, then it'll get really, really annoying. But yeah, actually the, the Islanders actually caught another break in that. Uh, nobody was paying attention to that game on Saturday night at all, because that was the game, the night that the senators beat the Leafs, I believe. And so it was like, and I think the Oilers may have been playing the Canadians too, or, or the jets were playing. the Canadians. So it was two big games in Canada. So everybody was, was watching those two. And nobody was paying attention to what was going on here. Whereas, it, you know, if, if it was in the middle of the week and there was no other games going on, people would have been like, oh, man, this is a big deal. They've been waiting for this guy. And then uh, it never happened. You know, it would have been like, oh, no, this is the guy. And that that's what I was I think we were all afraid of was I know Rangers fans are going to say that because, you know, every, every Rangers fan has a brother or a cousin or a sister or a mom or whoever who's an Islanders fan. that has been like clamoring for this guy. And I'm sure they went up to him like, that's the guy you've been waiting for. But that's one thing. Like you don't expect that. You know, we didn't want the whole world saying that, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, <laughs> nobody else is saying that. But um, the they also catch a break in about the schedule. Like we said, they have a game Thursday night against the Devils, and then they don't play again until Sunday night, also against the Devils in Jersey that time. And then it's games every other day. They play uh, Washington Tuesday, Washington Thursday, the Flyers on Saturday, and then the Flyers again on Sunday. So I would assume that he would play one of those two games against Philly, either Saturday the 30th or Sunday the 31st, because uh, it's a back-to-back situation. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think, look, I mean, you know, I know people are going to be like, oh, this, you know, nobody's going to do this. I don't think anybody's really, like, ready to just <laughs> cast this guy aside. I know we joke about calling every every Islanders prospect a bust who doesn't immediately burst out into, like, Superman uh, kind of stuff. But uh, it, it was tough. And you could tell, you know, again, I, I recommend going back and watching Trotz's press conference after that. I know it's after a loss, but it was really pissed off, like, more so than Barry Trotz normally is in these situations. He was really upset. And I really do feel like, you know, he they had this plan. They wanted to, him to practice with – corn and and um greco and then get him in when he was good and ready when they were good and ready and he was not good and ready i mean let's put it that way neither was anybody else unfortunately but uh yeah uh it, that's you know i can't say that that was how we wanted it to go and unfortunately the, the, now we have to live with it but uh you know there's a long time to go <laughs> before he can get that back and suddenly that game will be just kind of a funny memory uh, later on, it wasn't certainly wasn't funny for Simeon Varlamov, who, yeah, like you said, it, when you first you're like, oh my god, he got hit in the, the throat, and then it was like, oh my god, he got hit in the jaw, and then all of a sudden you picture him like wearing like a neck brace or you know, kind of some kind of one of those weird dog collars, you know, to kind of protect himself, and you're like, oh great, now how the hell is he going to play? But he was right back in there on Monday, and obviously he looked spectacular. So a yeah. lot of bullets dodged here for the Islanders. And when you really think about it, that that loss really, hopefully, just ends up being small potatoes in the long run. Yeah, that's 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 it. Like you just basically forget it. And and you, you almost approach his next start, the one where he's ready for it. And we're all, we all have proper heads up for it 
as as the one that to to start really start like looking into and and uh, you know scrutinizing because it's it's you can make a lot of excuses for for what happened on Saturday night and um, it's it's just it it was weird and and also th- th- something needs to be said I guess a, a little bit about um, the, the the goaltending carousel right now in the league is so strange so Varlamov going down like and not being hurt it's like it it's a big deal for that too because like if the Islanders would then say need to pick up another third goalie and then like all of a sudden you're like oh crap like they need to Jeez. do they need to send like Kiefer <laughs> Bellows somewhere or, or, or down or Walsh like the, the the rosters are just so weirdly fragile this year um I think I thought it was hilarious that like on I think it was Saturday night when uh after Frederick Anderson played terrible for the Leafs like everyone everyone was like Jack Campbell starting the next game and Arundel's gonna back him up and people are like I don't know like you know, I don't know if Leafs fans should be happy about this. Like, and everyone's like, "Well, Arundel's good." He's like, "What a great move it was to bring him in." He's like, "What he would be one of the best backups in the league, but he's a number three goalie for us." And then the next day, he's waived, and of course, nobody mentions that. Like, the, the day before, they were building him a statue outside of you know, Scotia Bank or Rogers or whatever it's called now. And uh, like, like it's just it, that the that's the way the goaltending kind of situation is. Like Troy Grosnick, uh got waived and. Uh, he's now like I think he's going to the Oilers and like yeah. these, these like no, goalies who who for us will be like name drops in 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 their throughout their careers are all of a sudden hot commodities. So like having Corey Schneider is is it's it was kind of a good move uh, just to bring him in. Like you got an established guy who's who's obviously struggled lately, but at least you know he's considering what else is out there for these number three goalies, which are looking like they're going to be pretty important uh it's 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 actually kind of gives you a little sigh of relief knowing he's there um you know just in case things do go sideways with one of the the two russians in front of him um but yeah like other there there was like a lot of other like little stuff that i've picked up on in the first three games i i mean rush johnston for sure is like it's it's a little strange um especially because of you know what it, it's clear that jg pajot is a huge asset so you want to set him up for success. And it looks key for Bellows, like when he's had the opportunity to skate after pucks or to carry a puck into the blue line or look look up to, to create offense, he's he's looked he's looked pretty competent. In very limited ice time, Bellows has looked very good. Yeah, so far and, in these and I'm just, games. you know, Trotz is obviously smarter than this, so he knows too. You're just afraid that like, because he's been kind of held back by the way Johnston has been playing, uh, that you just hope that it, that, that key for Bellows isn't like collateral damage for Ross mm-hmm. Ross's uh misgivings like we we know what to expect out of Ross Johnston like he's gonna he should be the 12th forward on when he's playing he's the 12th forward that left wing or right wing on the fourth line and he's being asked to do way too much it's very obvious out there he can't really keep up with Peugeot or Bellows and um so you hope that you'd assume that would get sorted it's weird it's weird like being like god Leo Komarov would be would be a really big relief here um but um Michael Cole has been on IR that that was kind of a a, under the radar thing yeah that was a strange one did they even say why no I don't know I don't think so but uh he should be back soon and I, I feel like once he's back and then Oliver Wallstrom is here too so you know I think he's trying to get Ross in now because at some point uh, Wallstrom, Bellows, and Dal Cole and probably Komarov are going to be kind of rotating in and out and, and maybe with Johnston too. So, I mean, you got five guys for literally two spots. Uh, Ross might not end up. But again, like you said, we know what Ross does. Like Ross is good. You know, he, he can skate and he does have some instincts. Not the most talented guy in the roster, but a lot, and a lot of times – He's really not that bad. Now, he was bad on Saturday. Like, let's be honest. He was bad, but so was most of the team, too. In fact, Bellows was the only one who seemed to, like, kind of have some skin in the game, as, you know, Trotz would say, on Saturday uh, against the Rangers. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, – it's going to keep some uh, – uh, you know, it's a situation we're keeping an eye on because uh, – yeah, we talk, and we talked about that before the season, too. Like, what do you do? You know, Peugeot, you know, he's just going to keep on going. He's like the Energizer Bunny, you know. He's just going to keep on going straight forward. Um, and if Bellows, I'm, I'm actually kind of heartened to see that he had been in the game, been in the first three games. Cause I feel like in a lot of other years, he would have been like, yeah, okay, kid, you play great, but have a seat because here's Leo. Yeah. That's that hasn't point. happened so far. So that is a good point. Like, it, and he's, it's, it's weird because he's, he's had such little 
ice time, but when, yeah. when like, if he's chasing after a puck, he, you notice him, and you're noticing him for the right reasons. You're not noticing him for, you know, getting worked by a defenseman or something like that. He's, he's like, putting, he's really yeah. putting forth, like, a, a good effort. So, like, that, I, it's such it's been such a strange journey for just three games. I feel like it's been a season already, but like there's there is more good. Like the the bad has been very like eye poppingly bad. Like like uh, if the island if this if the Islanders were the Leafs, like good God, Ilya Sorokin would probably be back in in Moscow right now because he just probably couldn't handle like what what was what was being written about him. Whereas like it's you know this, and like even like Noah Dobson, like people would probably be. You know the, the the ink that would have been spilled on his performance on Saturday night would have been terrible, and but like because those those they've been like some eyesores that have jumped off the page. Like you, it's 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 been overall like not a terrible start. It's been overall a good start. Getting four from six is is good, but just because of like the the odd um, kind of odd stumbles. Uh, it's, it's, that's, what's kind of giving everyone a little bit of pause and you really just don't know how, I just don't really know how, how to feel because who knows, we, we have no idea how they're going to obviously come out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, there's a chance that, you know, they, they're the next time we talk with it, like four and one or five and one. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's been an exhausting three games. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, one, one other bright spot that I noticed in the first three games, the PK has looked spectacular. Um, they let up a goal against the Rangers late, I believe. I think that was the Panarin goal I mentioned before. But other than that, especially against the Bruins, like they were really, really good. And it's the same unit that's always been there, or at least was there last year. Sezikis, Clutterbuck, Bailey, Nelson, Pajot. Uh, Beauvillier, but they've looked really good. Again, very aggressive, very smart. Uh, looks like they've really kind of like fine tuned what they were doing, and it's it's impressive. You know, if you if you appreciate good PKing, like I think both you and I do, it's it's been impressive to watch. Power play has looked better. Hasn't really been all that like productive yet, as is as the Islanders' power play is unfortunately kind of want to do these days. But uh, hopefully they can they can get that going. And uh, if you read uh, Arthur Staples. Um, Q and A today. He, he brings up a point that we feels like we've been talking about for you know fifteen years now. It's just it's, they're very predictable. Like they just they keep setting it up for the same guys over and over, and it just doesn't really work. And eventually, it just gets snuffed out. So you need to be a little bit more creative there. But I've, I've been encouraged too with uh, Barzell's play. Like the fir- the first line, I think their their numbers look pretty good. And and uh, Barzell, like yesterday, was a game where. Uh, if he if he got caught trying to do too much, like it probably would have lost the Islanders the game. Uh, and he and I think he recognized that right away. It was okay, like not trying to push the issue and being like, yeah, "This game is not going to be won by a Matthew Barzell deplatforming uh, Tony D'Angelo goal. It's going to be a it's going to be won by a game by it's going to be won by a JG Pajot batting in a Rob Shrimp style goal." Like, oh wow. Yeah. yeah, do you remember the Rob Shrimp goal? Like, I think it was oh, yeah. the Avalanche. Yeah, like that's exactly incredibly like first thing that popped in my mind. Like, I almost like yelled Shrimp when when he, <laughs> when he scored Pesho. But like that was it, it was it took the whole team kind of recognize what game they were in. Uh, and uh, it, it, what, the other day I was listening to Thirty One Thoughts, and they, they were talking about how like the Dynasty Islanders. Uh, could beat you in, in a number of different ways. Obviously, these aren't the same, uh, but the, the Islanders are, when they're good, they recognize the style of game they're in. Um, and they know, like, all right, like, we can win by counterattacking, or maybe this is going to be a special teams game. And uh, they that's what was kind of encouraging, was, like, this, this they kind of snapped into that game after 10 minutes and were like, we need to win this way. And Barzell was a big part of that. Uh, you know, you, you'd like to see him score, obviously, but... Uh, I think those are coming and he does, he looks, he looks like, inc- like much stronger. I agree. To me, to I me. Like, 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 yeah. I'm like that first game, especially I'm like, Whoa, this guy is like, no one's knocking him off the puck. It's, it's really uh, great. And he's had, he's had a couple, you, you had mentioned last podcast, like he could turn into Patrice, Patrice Bergeron and he's had some like uh, Bergeron or Pavel Datsu uh, stick lifts and, and turnovers. And um, so I think, I think we're, um, we're about to see something from him. It looks like, I think, uh, you know, whether it's the next week or just as the season goes on, but it, it really does look like he's, he's about to take that step forward that uh, you'd see from stars. Yeah. He, he's looked spectacular. Um, the Bruins were all over him. Like it was like, he was wearing another Jersey. And when I say Bruins, I mean like the whole team, like, I don't think he didn't have three guys on him the entire yeah. game. 
And it was hard. Like it was hard. And he's going to have to figure out how to get around those guys or, or away from them. But yeah, I mean, he, he still looked good. I mean, he looked as dangerous as he could. And uh, there was a chart today. I got to find it on Twitter about like so far, you know, the most productive top lines. And I believe Lee Eberly Barzell was like the f- fifth or something. They were way behind, I think, Pacioretty Stone and uh, Chandler Stevenson of Vegas. But uh, they were up there. And I was I was actually really surprised. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how about that? It was pretty good because, uh, I mean, Lee had two goals in the first game anyway. So, uh, but yeah, I, I really do feel and that's another situation worth watching. And, and I mean, something we've been, again, waiting for for a long time is that that next step for Barzell to take and uh, should be pretty cool. Uh, okay. So yeah, so there's one game, uh, well, two games, I guess, uh, before we'll talk next, the devil's game on Thursday. And then on Sunday, I guess we'll try and get together on Monday if we can to talk about it. But next week is one of those four game weeks. So get ready. <laughs> uh, and they're all on the road too. Uh, they're all, they're in Jersey, Washington, and then Philly. And then they're back home. Uh, I think after that, so it's going to be the first extended quote unquote road trip of the season. And, uh, We'll see how it goes. Um, make sure that you uh, leave us a review on iTunes and leave your Twitter handle in the review so that we can uh, enter you into our contest where Mike will buy you some random Islander swag off of eBay. I mean, who doesn't love that? That's going to be cool, right? So do that. Leave us a review. Thank you so much to the people that have left us reviews. We got about 10 or so last week. That's great. Keep them coming. More people, the merrier, and uh, you know you'll you'll get a chance to win some cool stuff. So there you go. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at the Big Lebowski with two E's. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. I started writing a new column uh, this week called Back and Forth, where I talk about the games that happen and the games that are coming up. And then just random stuff. If it seems like something you've read on the internet before, that's because you probably did. And I probably just ripped it off from somebody like who's better at this than I am. But I wanted to write something and I thought it was kind of a cool idea. So so I'm going to do that for a little while and uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, But thank you very much for listening. If it sounds like I'm rushing, I kind of am. I got my daughter's parent-teacher conference in about 10 minutes uh, via Zoom. So I need to log off. But uh, really appreciate you listening. And we will be back next week. And uh, hopefully the Islanders uh, can take uh, four points from New Jersey. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.